Yes, of course. Burl Baron. <laughs> I've known a few writers who were rogues and vagabonds. And I'm Roger Moore. I didn't supply the microphone. Live from the soapily beautific hills of Encino, California, where industry and nature work hand in hand to create a better life for all of us. This just makes my little heart go pitter-pat every time I say it. It just tugs at my heartstrings until my ventricles collapse. I was hoping that you would rewrite that. I work it on. Yeah, the opening has to, a lot of it has to change. It just has to change. It makes no sense. Produced by Magic Matt Allen on the Outlaw Radio Network. True Crime Uncensored. I am the legendary Burl Bear, Howard Lapidus, manager to the star. Happy to be here. Happy How's the star here. doing this week? Uh, fantastic. All, all, it's, it's very plural. Very plural. <laughs> Everybody's doing fine. That's wonderful. Yeah. Mark C.G. Boyer, our fact checker, is here. Hello. Uh, we have a policy on this program that we don't do trial by talk show, indictment by sound bite. We except, do, except, except today. <laughs> no, 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 no. Let me finish here, Aaron. All right. We uh, don't tend to talk about cases that are still under investigation, but the essence of the program today is really more about First Amendment than it is about who did what to who uh, at the, and, how uh, uh, and how often and uh, from what direction <clears throat> and who allegedly participated. I, well, I think that this was like uh, there was a... Um, an incident and call that like the scab and the more you picked at the scab the deeper the wound got well we got a real scab bigger here we have got really one hell of a wound to talk about <laughs> that's right alex goddard how you doing i'm fine how are you fine jeff fun awesome. on cnn the other day i was nervous but i could, yes, I could tell very I was, interesting yeah they want you back though don't they? well we thought um, in, in, i don't represent cnn but i sure represent a great two because on you did a great job so Thank anyway, you. you know, she could have been on NBC or CBS today, but of course she told them, I'm on True Crime Uncensored with Burl Bear and Howard Lapidus and Mark C.G. Boyer. <laughs> I did, because we're going to discuss the First Amendment aspect of this case, and I think that's very important. It is very important. At the end of the day, all, every aspect of this case is important. This part of it is something that people just don't think about that often, and I think is so important that we think about it in a, in a very global Fashion, and that's why I'm glad you're with us today. So let's let's start at the beginning of the beginning. There you are, minding your own business. Uh, what? Tell us what you do for a living and how you happen to get hooked into this. Okay, I do social media analysis. Um, I provide social media profiles for parents to find out what their children are doing online. And I used to live in Steubenville years ago. Like oh. I, I keep on, you know, what goes on in town. Every, you know, once or twice a week, I'll check the news feeds to see what's happening. And August 22nd, I read the news that two football players had been uh, charged with allegedly committing rape. And um, it piqued my interest because Steubenville is a town that is very, very into their high school football team. 18,000 people live there. Their high school football stadium seats 10,000. And they fill it. Yes. Yeah. Every Friday night, they, mm-hmm. they absolutely do. It's Friday Night Lights. I, you know, I saw that the two had been arrested, and I'm no, you know, in the Valley, you call it your nibby. I'm nosy. <laughs> and so I started looking at social profiles to see what happened that night, because I figured that kids are going to be talking about it. That's what they do online. They tell everything. And I started um, tracing back Twitter's. And networking out and finding friends of friends, and I was astounded at the conversations and especially uh, what they were tweeting that night about what was happening. What were they tweeting that night about what was happening? Um, you know, get to the parties, 
There were things tweeted about you deserve to be peed on. How can you sleep through a wang in the butt? I mean, it was just, it was awful. Is what you heard on the, the video that was played um, is a lot of our listeners are probably not familiar with that, but there's a 12-minute video that is uh, online with uh, a young man talking about uh, uh, how delightful this rape was. It yeah. was probably, and I know you wrote about it, and I, I read what you wrote, um, how excruciating the 12 minutes was. And then I said, well, how bad could it be? You know, <laughs> And I punched it up. And at about the three-minute mark, and I've heard everything, um, I said, I thought I heard everything, and you know what? Uh, there's a line in the sand between where I thought I could still think young and, and, and those that are young. It is excruciating. This tape is excruciating. Right. I mean, you just don't. It's hard to believe that anyone would say things like that. But it coming from a young person is just doubly disturbing because you're questioning where is the empathy and the compassion. Well, I think that those, those things, and this is where we start to get into it. Um, and I've got I've got teenage kids, and, and I'm trying to you know grow, grow get a grow grip on no no get a grip on um, the thought process or the lack of a thought process. There is a, right. a real lack of thinking. There is no empathy. Um, there is no sympathy. Well, I, I seem to um, That's Mark Boyer remember that there were adults that were in the uh, in and around what had occurred, and it seems like there was some tacit authorization Ooh, from some, some let's of the ask, adults. Let's ask Alex. Is that true? Were there some adults around that you know of? Allegedly, uh, the first party occurred at an assistant coach's house, and there is some question as to knowledge of what was going on. But from the culture in that area, apparently it's not a big thing that adults are allowing these kids to have parties with alcohol at them. Okay, now I want to keep this focused on your role. So let's let's stay in that timeline of, of you checking up on this. You're finding these tweets that are very disturbing. What, t- what takes place then? Um, after I found all of this, I contacted someone I know in law enforcement, and I waited for two days um, before I started releasing the tweets. I had written about the, the rape case, you know, just a general of what was on, online. And when I didn't hear back from anyone, I went ahead and started posting screenshots of what I found online. And what transpires uh, um, then? Who hit the oscillator? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, suddenly, with a vengeance. <laughs> yes, with a vengeance. Um, local media, they, they just were not providing coverage. People were desperate for information once they saw the social media aspect of it. And uh, they started coming to my blog. They're outraged. They're asking the same questions that I did. You know, why... With all of these people present, first, no one did anything to stop it, and there's all these rumors flying around, and, you know, what's going on here? You need to address these questions. But why would people be mad at you? Well, they love that football team. (laughs) 
Wait, Seriously. Wait, no, wait a second. You, you have an alleged... It's, it's not a wait a second. Let her, let her finish this. All right. Seriously. That, let... you know, it's, it's very important in their community. They, they're very proud that, you know, they recruit heavily to the colleges. And, you know, it's something they're very proud of. And student-athletes were involved. And there are some people who thought, you know, I only wrote it to, you know, put a, a black mark on their team, and that's not well, well, at all. Well, this, 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 go ahead, Mark. The Warner. individuals put the black mark on the team, not you. Yes. Yes, I kill the messenger, for heaven's sakes. Yeah, but but, 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 but there can't be... Yeah, exactly right. You're being sued. Now, the, the And we'll get into that in a big way today. The... the uh, the team is such, it's almost, it's Penn State light. Uh, you know, it's, uh, the, Penn State's in a small, small town and just owns that town. Steubenville is like uh, any other Midwestern uh, Ohio or Texas town where the only thing that's happening that really is of interest, that, that, that makes a noise, is, is their football team. And it, you, it becomes a religion, and it becomes something that you can't get in the way of. And so you said things about what happened, but you were treading on their beloved football team where allegedly you know, a rape took place. Is that what was going on, Alex? That's what was going on, and when the community started commenting on my blog and said, you know, we believe that there's preferential treatment, you know, I allowed them to use my blog as a forum to, for discussion, and because there was nowhere else for them to talk about this. The news just was not providing in-depth information about the case. Well, is there, what, what kind of news is around there? I mean... And radio, they, local local news is dead. Is there any uh, radio talk in that area? That's, uh, that's there not... is a there's a sportscaster who was covering it in the mornings, and there's two TV stations, and I think there's others in Pittsburgh. But for the most part, they rely on you know the newspaper and the two local stations. And the one local station just was not um, they they weren't providing coverage. Now, when we talk about coverage, we have to kind of like draw a little line here. There's a difference between news coverage, which is news from a journalistic perspective, is what you need to know and what you have a right to know. Speculation and, as we call it, trial by talk show and endowment by soundbite isn't coverage. It's commentary and opinion. Agreed. They were providing the bare minimum of what was going on. They were doing who, what, when, where, and why. That's it. And, and people who, were asking, well, not even that. I mean, they said they were charged, mm-hmm. and that was about it. I mean, and people were like, "We, we, you need to tell us more. You're the media. You're supposed to get in there and ask these questions. Well, meanwhile, there's an, was there an ongoing police investigation, I assume. Yes. So we don't want to interfere with an ongoing investigation, but it can be contributed to if you have valuable information that could aid law enforcement. Correct. And... The juvenile officer at one of the hearings had stated in his testimony that they really didn't utilize those tweets as a basis for their investigation. They used it, but it wasn't very important. And then that upset people even more because they had read the things that were tweeted. And then there was this 12-minute video. I had found the Google cache. And when you upload anything online, even if you delete it, if the Google spider has crawled by, it's, it's going to show. Yep. So we all knew the video was out there, but it, the, the boys had deleted it from the account. But you found it. 
Yes. No, I did not find the video itself. Someone else found I found, it. I found the evidence that it had been there. And then someone else found it? Yes. Um, the group Anonymous, I'm not sure exactly, you know, what person found it, but that's who, who recovered the video the other day. That. So how did you wind up getting sued? Um, people on the forum were... You know, if you and I are sitting at the coffee shop discussing a case, tossing ideas back and forth, that's what they were doing. And there were some rumors in town, and they were discussing them and stating their outrage, maybe called the uh, plaintiff a few names. And one of the football players and his family, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, filed a defamation of character suit against me and 25 of my John Doe commenters. Well, that's a little bit unusual. It, it was very unusual. It was very but bizarre. What was your emotional, re emotional reaction to that? Um, we know, first, I, know, I was never served. All of this happened that I never was properly served. Um, when I finally was able to see the complaint and see some of the things that were in there, I was thinking, you know, most of this is opinion, and opinions aren't always nice, but we have a right to them. Do you think this lawsuit is, uh, is there as a distractor? Well, it's been dismissed. Uh, they dismissed it on the 27th. Plaintiffs okay. did with prejudice. Mm -hmm. But, um, yes, it, that's my opinion, that it was a slap suit. Ohio doesn't have slap legislation, and... You know, I thought from the beginning this is a way for them to attempt to silence the masses to stop talking about this case. Right. And it worked because, I mean, you know, 25 John Doe's. <laughs> Suddenly shut up. Okay, let me ask you something. They uh, did. Do you have control in, in your website? Do you have control as to what gets posted or what doesn't or does it instantly post? Um, after the uh, couple of comments, it's unmoderated. And there were so many comments that, you know, they go through. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I filtered out the victim's name because I don't ever want to exploit a victim. And, you know, all the, the people were going back and forth. On one of the articles, I think I, there were 1,500 comments. Oh. And I wasn't even able to keep up with it all. Right, got it. Well, it's, it's such a hot button in the area. The... the um but but it was dismissed without prejudice. With prejudice. Or with, with. Sorry, with prejudice, prejudice, meaning to find that for us. Meaning that they cannot refile it again. And the plaintiff, um, I allowed him to put a statement on my blog about the dismissal, and um, he also apologized to the victim and her family. Okay. So you, so you came out of this all right, and it was a victory for your First Amendment rights and the First absolutely. Amendment. Absolutely. So the first, first, the first Amendment, the backbone of the First Amendment, just brought this thing home, right? Yes. So there, there, that's not even an issue, which is good. Well, it was, yeah, I mean, well, I believe it was, from I mean, the beginning. It, go ahead. Sorry. I believe from the beginning that you know, I did nothing that I felt was defamation of character. You know, again, um, opinions aren't always nice. But were you giving you were, you were giving your uh, your opinion on this uh, plaintiff? Um, maybe a personal opinion about what I thought about as a whole, what these kids had done. That I found their behavior to be repulsive. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I referred to him as Cody Manson. Okay. And that was one of the um, allegations right. in the complaint. Mm-hmm. But, you know, again, you know, I, I despise the message that Westboro Baptist Church delivers. But they have a right to deliver that message. I can't say that it's ugly and, you know, they can't say it because I've been in that, that place before. My speech was stifled, and I wasn't allowed to write anything about the case for two months. But that's not legal. <laughs> well. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, during, I got during, sued, during, so during, I during the to... process, she had a, a clamp up. Yeah. Yeah. But that, that that's that's the hole in the in the situation. But you can do whatever you want now. Yes, and use allegedly a lot. Yeah, yeah, use allegedly a lot. Well, <laughs> yeah, that's what I always say. I, the I would, minute I would, someone's arrested, I I say presume innocence. Alex, yes. I would ma- I would make that your middle name. <laughs> it it really is. Yeah. <laughs> I so, use it all the time yeah. now. So you're allegedly doing a blog. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's still there, and it's still up. Oh, it's allegedly yeah. there. Yeah. yeah, I saw it today, but I, I was I was alleging myself. <laughs> I bet you were. Yeah, I sure was. It, it can happen. Allegedly, <laughs> he allegedly does that often, <laughs> um, many times. But but uh, but I kid. Now, this First Amendment stuff is really important. I'm glad you mentioned Westboro Baptist because, you know, the uh, the guy who runs that thing is one of the top constitutional First Amendment uh, guys around. And as as wacko as they are, they are really champions of the First Amendment. So I thank them for, for all the cases that they win, which protect you and everybody else. Absolutely. And so I often wondered if And then they should shut the F up. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, they keep pushing the envelope. Yeah, I know. Well, the only you know. unpopular speech needs to be protected. Yeah, I'll go. I'll go I'll the go. First Amendment doesn't need to protect popular speech. I'll take them to the First Amendment, and I'll, I'll walk them out the back of the barn. <laughs> and beat the crap out of them. Well, I won't touch them, but I'll debate them any time. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Uh, that, that, see, that you have to be able to do that. Not yes. be able to speak up. That's correct. That's how we do it. We so do it. were you upset when you saw that you were being sued? Did your little heart go, go all a flutter? Like you know, a peanut I, on a railroad track? When I first when I first heard about it, like I said, I, I was never officially served. They were looking all over Ohio, apparently, for me. But someone sent me a copy of the complaint. And when I read the stuff, I was... You know, of course, when you get sued, your heart skips a beat. Like, oh, my gosh. And then I got mad. That's good. And Well, that's the stages. Yeah, you know, and I thought, I need to protect my commenters because I know what I said. I will stand by it to the end. Mm -hmm. But the people who are commenting on my blog, they were afraid or they would have put their real names out there. And so I felt it was important to... To fight for them and make sure that their speech was protected as well. So we were actually able to get the ACLU involved, who came in and was representing all of the John Doe's. Let me ask you something, because yeah, this is where I become a three-year-old when it comes to the law. You've got all okay. these all these John Doe's, and ACLU comes in there and they're representing the John Doe's as a as a unit. Um, but you, you were saying that John, you you got sued, and so did the John Doe's. Yes. How did they serve the John Doe's, and how do they how do they go about clogging up the system with people that don't really kind of exist? They named them by their username. Okay, still John Doe. And then they were to subpoena the ISP because they got the IP logs from my host, 
host gator who just turned them over to them. That was nice. Without uh, ever uh, notifying me. D- so. D- and, and so you, you probably have a problem with them. I do. I I moved offshore because of them. Okay. So so the the cops, right? Um, no, it was the attorneys. The, the oh, plaintiffs' attorneys. Okay, the plaintiffs' attorneys. Mm-hmm. So what they did. So that's how they researched it. They went through, got the IP, found out. Now, even when you see what the um, the uh, the IP and the number on the computer, if they can take it all the way to the computer, they still don't know who owns it. Right until they subpoena the internet service provider, it who will then to, tell them who's. Who's the, who's the kind of IP is Got for. it. Okay. That gets kind of scary. That's a massive, huge pain in the ass. Yes. <laughs> clogging up the system once again. Uh, and somebody uh, was paying for this. Yes. And plaintiffs who, were. Okay. So <laughs> they, 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 that's not a cheap uh, one who pays many lawyer bills. Um, <laughs> that, that's not, that's not even in Steubenville, uh, that's not cheap. We're talking hundreds no. of dollars an hour. And then uh, uh, associate fees, maybe at you know two hundred or one hundred and fifty bucks an hour, whatever it is, and a lot of hours. And somebody's paying for it, and they're paying for it for a reason. And, and was that reason to absolutely mask the real issue here? In my opinion, it was filed to shut us up and make us stop talking about the case. And all they did was bring more attention to it. Well, because uh, in trying to silence someone that really knows how to not be silent. Well, you, yeah. were, you were very fortunate. I mean, uh, you had to, if, if the ACLU hadn't come in, and uh, you got an attorney as well that we'll be talking to here in about uh, five or seven minutes, uh, how did he come into this? I, I took to social media. Uh, friends and I started tweeting about a blogger being sued for uh, comments and First Amendment issues, and um, Ken White at popat.com actually saw the tweet and contacted me and from that point on you know attorneys who do first amendment work started coming out of the woodwork to help us god bless them yes absolutely pro bono yes damn send them my my house please <laughs> yeah they don't do divorce cases Howard. <laughs> i got i got other stuff <laughs> i have it's, 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 it's landlord issues <laughs> Remember those? Yeah. That's a whole other show, hey, Alex. Right, and a group called Public Citizen had also come in and got four of our defendants um, dismissed, you know, right off the bat. How, how did that work? You know, I don't know what, what they told the plaintiff's attorney. I'm not, wasn't privy to, you know, how that occurred. All I know is all of a sudden um, they made the announcement that four of the John Doe's had been dismissed. So, you know, th- I was thrilled about that. Sure. So uh, back to the case for a second, if you don't mind. Uh, sure. I, uh, was it yesterday? The, the uh, was it the plaintiff? Which attorney had this uh, business at the uh, tweet from the alleged victim to one of the plaintiffs saying, you didn't rape me? Yes, that would be Trent May's attorney, Adam Neiman. And uh, is this? Is there any truth to that? Do you think? Do you know? I I have no idea. Are they making this up? We don't well, know. No, no one knows, and uh, we uh, that's not really our purview to. to uh, that's something for the courts to decide. Right. 
Yeah, but it's for me to be interested in, for crying out loud. I mean, it's one, you know, how do you, how do you throw a horseshoe into the case like that and, and with that kind of information? You know? Right. There's, there are so many layers to this case. I mean, it's just, it's unbelievable to watch it. It's like an onion. You know, you peel away one level and you're at another. Right. And now there's something else that came out on your blog that I've interested is that there may be three other women who have uh, suffered uh, similar uh, or alleged humiliation. Yes. Um, I, you know, I've been contacted by a lot of girls. So the ones that the public knows about are just the tip of the iceberg. So interesting. So these guys, so allegedly... Anyone who calls themselves the rape crew, you have to wonder about. Well, yeah, you have to to pause and think. There's, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. How do I send a seventeen and a half year old daughter to school? You don't. You homeschool. It's by the way doing that, but but you know it's you know I thought it was bad when I went to school. And now I'm starting to sound like the old guy, but Burl's older than me, so it's okay. <laughs> but um, I thought we were supposed to make it all better. You know, our generation, you know, peace, love, and happiness. Mm-hmm. And boy, we're screwing it up pretty good. Um, is it, did, did, do we make our kids that entitled that they lose empathy and they lose sympathy and they lose the, the you know, their... The thought process that uh, you know they don't know the difference between right and wrong. I think that because these kids are so they're connected via the net. They're texting all the time. You know, they're instant messaging. They're facebooking, and I think that they're losing a lot of the ability to learn social boundaries and social cues from others and their peers. What really bothered me is the kid on the video saying, she's dead. She's as dead as a doornail. That girl's dead. Someone says, well, let's see if you know, someone wants to help her. Someone, someone who has some empathy says something about trying to help her. And he says, oh, it's too, no, she's dead. She's dead. Don't bother. <laughs> but as, as my client said on CNN, we're talking about alcohol. And uh, we're talking about Dr. Drew. And... Mm-hmm. and um, uh, Drew went just absolutely ballistic on the fact that there's, first of all, underage drinking going on and alcohol going on and alcohol suppressing the thought process. Mm-hmm. And where there's alcohol, there's fire. Um, right. And that's what we got. We've got a bunch of drunk kids running around. And uh, where are the parents? You know, look, we used to sneak booze into parties. And I think that that's been going on since. Uh, you know, the BC. That's our producer saying you're 100% right. Well, she Listen, is. Uh, we got a uh, drop kick you because your attorney is going to be calling in a minute. Alrighty. And uh, well, Alex, can we have you back sometime soon? Yeah, absolutely. Because She's a big fan of the show, you know. Well, oh, cool. yeah. <laughs> well, thank you very much. And, and uh, but in all seriousness, uh, there's so much more to talk about. And we're going to do that with Mark Randazzo, First Amendment attorney, in just a minute on True Crime Uncensored on Outlaw Radio. Thank you, Alex.
Hey, Johnny Cosmo here, loyal demon at Outlaw Radio, author of Gone with the Wind and the Player's Guide to Playing. Hey, if you're like me, you love to listen to Outlaw Radio's live broadcast Saturdays, 3 p.m. Pacific, and even listen during the week, but you don't want to be tied to your computer. Here's great news for you nonconformists who own a cell phone. Go to RadioLoyalty.com and locate the Outlaw Radio free app. Yes, I said free. Santa Claus got your letter. You can now hang with the wrong crowd on radio wherever you go. Think of the laughs you'll have in your church pew or while sitting on a jury. Join Magic Matt Allen and his circle of celebrities and academic halfwits. Whether you're on the go, on the take, or on the make, change the way you listen to radio seven days a week with the app that is free, complimentary, and gratis at RadioLoyalty.com. Hi, I am the legendary Burl Bear. Bring down the music a little bit, please. Thank you very kindly. In my <laughs> cut that out. In my spare time, I try to write books, and <laughs> when I don't write them, they re-release my old ones. And I'm happy to say two of my old ones have been re-released. Most recently, an updated version of Body Count, the terrifying true story of the Spokane killer Robert Lee Yates Jr. He seemed so normal, but he had a double life. By day, he was a nice guy. Five kids, desert storm veteran. Nice guy. Hard worker, too. But at night, he prowled the streets where prostitutes gathered, gained their trust, gave them 40 bucks, said, give me some head. They did, and then he shot him in the head while they were doing that. One lived and said, I think my survival is a God thing. Either that or I just give unpredictable head, and that's why I'm alive today. All the details are in the book. Body Count by Burl Bear. True Crime Uncensored. I am Burl Bear. With Burl Bear and Howard Lapidus. <laughs> and Howard Lapidus. Featuring Mark C.G. Boyer. That's me. Mark Boyer over there. And sometimes Marie Mecking, Esquire. Has another show in two years. No, Produced by Magic Matthew, Matthew Allen. Who in turn is produced by... Who in turn is produced by... Lori Downey Jr. I think we're back. Oh, we're back. Hi, I am the legendary Burl Bear of True Crime Uncensored. How are the Peters? Mark C.G. Boyer, we were talking earlier to Alex Goddard. Is, um, uh, is Mark Randazzo with us? Yes. No. Oh, we don't have Randazzo is not with us yet. He should be calling in soon. And if PC calls in, I'll beat the crap out of it. Well, that could happen. <laughs> the, um, so let's let's talk about Mark for a second. Go ahead, and talk no, about him. I can't because I, I don't know that much about him because he's a, he was a last minute guest. Well, I do know he's uh, is in Las Vegas, Nevada, mm-hmm. where Mark C. G. Boyer was just recently. Yes, he was. Well, he's also a famed First Amendment attorney. One of his clients having been uh, Larry Flint. You remember Millery. But Mark was representing, or is represents Alex, who was just on the show. Yeah. And, um, I, boy, I hope we get him, because I really want to get into her case. Yeah. From a First Amendment standpoint, we can make that somewhat interesting, I think. Uh, if we don't get him, let's get Alex back on the phone. Damn, she was great. <laughs> she was great. And yeah. I'd love to talk to her. Well, hopefully, more. if Alex is listening, or if uh, Mark is listening, he'll pick up the phone and call us. Yes. Or that she'll browbeat him into submission, and... Uh, <laughs> She'll slap him around and, uh, and he'll call in. Well, if he doesn't, we'll tell you. You know, this, this this whole thing strikes a, a very strange, it is very strange area because I am, as you know, 
and so is the Department of Justice and the FBI, against talking head true crime programs where people pontificate on who they thought did what to who and who should be arrested, who should be prosecuted. Because that's great. Messes, that, that, that's how I make my living. It messes with the investigation. It does, it, no, it doesn't. Yes, according to the FBI, and especially if you're talking about someone who's a killer, because killers watching the news, the cases under investigation, do not differentiate between some phony-ass profiler yeah. uh, pontificating on Yeah, uh, but hang on Grace. a second. Hang on, hang on. Don't they have the right to say what they want? Yes. All right, so what's your problem? My problem is that they don't use their heads when they talk. They probably don't. But do they have the right to talk? Yes. Okay. But then maybe they... They may have the right to talk, but maybe they shouldn't. Or they should at least moderate what well, they say. No, but we can't legislate that, guys. You can't, you're right. You can't legislate that. Say. You can't legislate the thought process, and you can't leg- legislate someone's morals. I mean, whether they're right or they're wrong isn't what, what's in question here. I never said that we should legislate it. Well, then what do we do? You just tell them yeah. to get smart, smarten yeah, up? Hey, smarten up. Okay, how's that going for you? They're working great. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's like there was the guy who sat there watching Nancy Grace uh, a couple years ago, and she declares him a child molester and whatever, and he's totally innocent. He drops dead of a heart attack. Well, he was probably going to drop that anyway. It's <laughs> a fine way of thinking. At some point, we all do. There's a, a, a bright thought for you. But here's the thing. The, you know, you it's can't... personal responsibility you, you can't, when you're on the air of what you're going to say. But, but you can't... I, what are you going to do? That's the problem. You can't legislate. So it's, it, but it, I know, but it's your opinion against the opinion of those people that are doing that. And, and my opinion and you're, is... And in your opinion, they're wrong. And in their opinion, they can say whatever the hell they want. They can they, say whatever the hell they want. Well, because they can. And that's right. They can say it. I, I don't particularly agree... I'm on your side of this thing, yeah. by the way. But but they they can say what they want. You know, I can't let legislate stupidity. These these people are stupid, and they're getting involved in this stuff and and saying things that they shouldn't say. They're dumb. Yes. They're dumbass. Yes. And I'll, that, that that's my opinion. And I think you're right. Ah. And I am right. <laughs> but right. but but do they have a right to do it? That's under right. Under the Constitution, no law the, the amendment, the, the First Amendment, you, you, they have. They certainly can stand on any street corner with any microphone and any megaphone, as long as they're not obstructing the public. Uh, whatever the damn law is, they can say whatever the hell they want. That's right. That's why the Ku Klux Klan and the Nazis always hire a good Jewish lawyer. <laughs> That's not funny. But Mark is with us. Hey, Mark, how you doing? Good, how are you? Better and better every day in every way. Boy, we're, we're, we were having fun without you. Go away. <laughs> <laughs> Could you hear us talking about this whole First Amendment thing? Uh, I, I just just heard the thing about the Ku Klux Klan and a Jewish lawyer. Yeah. Uh, see, you see, that you always get the good part. Burl, <laughs> Burl's bad joke. That's true. <laughs> oh, stop it. What, they hired one Jewish lawyer and you're going to make a joke out of it? <laughs> that is all it takes. Mark, you're a First Amendment champion, right? I try to be. That's good. So, Mark, let me ask you something. Burl is against uh, trial by talk show. Um, but you can't legislate that, right? They've got a right to say whatever the hell they want, correct? Yeah, of course not. Okay. Uh, they, they would have no right to do that at all. Uh, in fact, you know, I, I, I presume you mean by trial by talk show is uh, you don't want to have someone lambasted in the court of public opinion before they're sentenced in a court of law. But that's, that's the media's job. Uh, you know, not everything that is completely morally objectionable is illegal. 
And not everything that's completely illegal gets investigated or gets the proper attention. Until right. somebody like you uh, comes along and fulfills the promise of the First Amendment and, uh, and, and shines a light on it. So uh, I, I'd have to say, no, there's no way they can legislate it. And, uh, and, I, and I have to disagree with them. I think trial by talk show is a necessary part of a functioning democracy. Well, here's a question for you. Yeah, the reason I don't get into talking usually about ongoing cases is I don't want to screw up the investigation. I don't want to go on the air and say, Allah, Howard Lapidus, in my opinion, is a uh, allegedly uh, child-molesting uh, bozo. No, thanks. Uh, and and, and, and <laughs> yeah, Howard it. hears this and goes, oh, my God, I've just been defamed on uh, national television. Hey, I, national I really radio. like the, uh, the orange ears. Yeah. My ex-wife's lawyer could tuned in right there <laughs> at child molester. <laughs> and that's all it picked up. Yeah. It's Thank you for that. You're welcome. Yeah, okay. I'll testify for you, Howard. Okay, I'm sure you will. So I'm sure you, uh, Mark, you've heard of situations where, where people are accused of crimes on, on television or say, well, I think this is the person who did it, and they're not, and their reputation is ruined, et cetera, et cetera. Sure, but, you know, that's, that's why with the power that you have because of the First Amendment, along with it comes some responsibility. You, uh, you, you don't want to outwardly go ahead and accuse somebody of a crime if you have no good faith basis for, for stating so. Uh, at the same time, you have every right to say, I think somebody ought to be uh, looked at. I think that the police should be investigating this person. Why aren't they? Uh, you know, I, I think if you, if you look at, for example, the whole Steubenville case that's just blown up that you were just talking about, uh, nobody cared about that until Ms. Goddard exercised her fourth her estate heart. responsibilities. You know, until she started using her First Amendment rights and her fourth estate responsibilities, nobody cared. And finally, after she beat the drum and the, the mainstream media was ignoring it and ignored her plight, finally the New York Times got off its butt and did its job. And now everybody's looking at Steubenville, and uh, and I think that's necessary, that that. Town seems to have had a, a shroud of secrecy around it that the First Amendment's come through and blown that shroud right off. Well, I'm a big advocate of, you know, we get into this bind that we were just talking about, is that uh, I've always defended people's rights to say whatever stupid thing they want to say because only an unpopular speech needs protection. Exactly. Yeah, if we, we, we don't need somebody for, uh, to, we, don't, we don't need the First Amendment to protect nursery rhymes. Uh, we need it for somebody who's going to go out there and take a risk, somebody who's going to make an unpopular statement, or like someone like Ms. Goddard, who was going to take the chance of saying something that could possibly start a great big firestorm. And let's look at what she's done. You know, I, th I think she's, a, she's an American hero, and uh, most of the people who are, in my mind, are people who have worn the cape of the First Amendment while they're fighting crime. Yeah. Can I ask you something? Sure. You represent you represent Ms. Goddard. You represent Alex, correct? Probably. Okay. It's very nice of you to say that. And she stated that you're doing that pro bono. Yes. Okay. Um, first of all, let's decide now. Who you know? We got a bunch of heroes here. You're one of them, sir. Because you know that's not an easy. That's a tough putt. And I, you know, I'm, your reasons for doing it, I sure like to know. But the, you know, uh, I respect that uh, you may not want to answer that question. Well, you know, first off, uh, you know, it's very nice of you to say. But if you're going to say that about me, you got to say that about uh, Thomas Heron and Jeffrey Nye, who were my colleagues on the case, who did a lot of the heavy lifting as well. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, how we decide who we're going to take on a pro bono basis is. 
look, I, I get calls every day from people who say, can't you take my case? Can't you help sure, me? And, uh, sure you, you know, the pro bono, I got to run it by the pro bono committee a lot, which is uh, my wife, um, <laughs> who usually says, you know, no. we stop bringing stray animal cases home. <laughs> um, but, you know, when I ran this one by her and I said, look, there's a... Uh, you know, there's a gang rape and a cover-up and and, uh, and a slap suit because of it. Uh, that one even got past her. Uh, but, you know, I, 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 I took an oath when I became an attorney. I'm licensed in five states, so I've taken that oath five times. And, you know, every every single state has some provision of their oath that says that you will help people who need your help. Okay, I'm, I'm, yes, I like making a lot of money as an attorney, and I do pretty well. Um, I have a responsibility to give something back there. And if I just represented people with the money to be able to afford me, what would that do to the First Amendment? You know, I'm, I'm, I've been uniquely gifted with, uh, you know, certain talents and experience that let me protect First Amendment rights. And I, I, I just cannot let something like the injustice of the slap suit that was brought against her go unresponded to. Just for our audience's sake, just quickly in, in, in 30 seconds, slap suit, define. Uh, that's when somebody sues you. It's called strategic lawsuit against public participation. That's when somebody essentially sues you to shut you up, even though the lawsuit has no basis in law or fact. Uh, just punishing you with a lawsuit itself. So what happened? Just give us the DNA of what happened to uh, Alex Goddard. Well, she reported on the Steubenville case, uh, brought a number of facts to light that certain people wanted to be kept out of light, and so they sued her for defamation. And then we got involved, and as soon as we started to mount any kind of a defense at all, um, things got a little more reasonable. Uh, so the, yeah, the other party... probably counting on the fact that uh, she didn't have the money to hire you. I, I'm not sure what they were counting on, but I, I do have to actually give the plaintiff a little bit of credit. Um, I don't want to mention his name because he's a minor, but, you know, he... Usually, I see somebody do this, and I tell the plaintiff's lawyer, I say, listen, you can stop this now, because if you keep going forward, this thing's just going to blow up huge, out of oh, control. Yeah. And part of the reason that right now there are rallies and national news media descending on Steubenville is because of the lawsuit. Without that lawsuit, this would have been just another one of these incidents that takes place every day. The lawsuit gave credence to her, got more people looking at it, and next thing you know, now the entire shroud is blown off. Yeah, I mean, the fact that all of a sudden, well, I don't know where the networks were when she was being sued, but now that that's yeah. happened, all of a sudden, I mean, I'm seeing her on CNN, uh, I know uh, the other networks have been calling her. Yeah, that's, that's a little bit of my criticism of, of some of these networks. You know, when she said, uh, you know, should we, should we do interviews with them? I say, well, you know, it's up to you, but where were they when you needed help? Uh, you know, it's, it's uh, these, I, I think the 24-hour news stations, which are designed to give you a story in, you know, 18 seconds, uh, really don't get into any of the nuances. And I think that uh, you know, journalism rooms, look, I'm, I'm an old journalism guy from way back. I, I, I majored in journalism in college way back when, uh, you know, hairstyles were very different. Yeah, me too. And, <laughs> you know, back then the journalism school was full of people who wanted to be Woodward and Bernstein. Right. Or if they wanted to be on TV, they wanted to be Mike Wallace. And, you know, now they want to be on Entertainment Tonight. And, you know, I guess wow. somebody's got to do that, but... That's not what the fourth estate function of, of journalism is. What do you think the fourth estate function of journal, journal, journalism is? And You're here to be a watchdog. Damn You're right. here to keep them honest. You're mm -hmm. here to keep, make sure that the, that the electorate 
that citizens have information. You cannot be a self-governing society if people are expe- who are expected to vote and who are expected to participate in a democracy unless they have information. And if all the information they have is whether or not a Kardashian wore underwear with a see-through dress, <laughs> then what kind of bozos are you? Go home and sit down instead of voting, please. You're not hearing that on CNN. <laughs> no, no, in all seriousness, you're not hearing the Kardashian That's reporting. why they're the lowest-rated news station. Well, they're not the lowest-rated <laughs> news station, and things are going to change, trust me. Yeah, and, uh, and you know what, and I think that a lot of, you know, a lot of the news networks are, are devoted, even when they're not devoted to vapid facts like that, you know, they're more devoted to telling you the next thing you got to be afraid of, yes, you know, is there... Yeah. And and you know what? We don't well, need to be so here, damn but afraid. But here's the thing, Mark. You know, let's just go back 31 years when Ted Turner decided, I think, an all-news station would make it. And we all looked at him like he had six heads. You know, how can you possibly do that? And then it started to work. And then there was started to become competitors. And then you, you start to add it up. Uh, the belly of that beast to be filled is is unbelievable. Um, yeah, it, it's unfortunate because I think when Ted Turner launched that, he probably had the greatest dreams in, in you know in, in his mind. He, it was a great idea, but you know I think uh, when you watch the Terminator movies, you look back at they, they show this story of you look back at when Skynet became aware, and then all of a sudden the whole world went to garbage. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know I don't know. I think in in my version of the Terminator, we have to go back and make sure Ted Turner wasn't born. <laughs> I see where you're going with this. As, as much as I respect the man and. As as much as I respect what he did, I mean, it, it just... Well, do you also think... You know, instead of having your 5 o'clock and 11 o'clock news where somebody sits down and cares about the story and puts the texture and nuance into it, all it is now is just, you know, I call it news porn. Well, okay. I mean, I... I, I uh majored in journalism also and am a professor of journalism and that's fact okay doesn't it make you want to cry it makes me want to cry because i've seen i've I've been on the other side of it i've been on the other side of the story and i've watched what journalists have done to the situations and how that's it's slipshot and you know you can do that you can take that your your theories about uh cnn's uh, you know the the 24-hour network news operations and, and you want to go back to the days of dad walter cronkite uh you know or mike wallace or, you know sure those guys were amazing uh, and they could get it done and they only had 27 minutes uh, you know and then the actual airtime was 23 minutes uh, every night that's all that's the only news you got uh yeah. Well, was it Dan Rather said if you really want news, you don't just watch the uh, the nightly news on TV. You got to go read uh, read papers. The problem is with reading a newspaper. It's the problem is India, and you've heard me say this before on this show: is that uh, I believe I believe ninety eight point five percent of what I read in the National Enquirer. I believe about forty six percent of what I read in the LA Times. <laughs> and by the way, I and I'm speaking. This isn't a joke. The, uh, I know what American media does to vet their stories, and we're talking about the people that, that, that do uh, uh, National Enquirer and, and Star Magazine. The legal departments are chock full of lawyers that they have to vet those stories through. If they got you, they got you. Yeah. They really do. They don't get sued anymore. They don't lose. You know, funny enough, I'm, I'm handling a slap suit right now in, uh, in federal court in Los Angeles where there are two experts in the case. The expert on my side uh, defending the First Amendment is uh, a former pre-publication review guy for the National Enquirer. Uh-huh. And uh, the, the expert on the other side who is 
really trying to help trample the First Amendment is the former managing editor of the Los Angeles Times. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, let me tell you about the Los Angeles Times, owned by Tribune. Tribune is a you know step into bankruptcy. What they're doing is they they don't have any journalists that work there anymore. They really don't. And what they're saying is we have to sell newspapers. So do whatever you have to do and say whatever you have to say. I've been on the other side of that. I've uh, watched what they do and how they lie, they cheat, and they steal. Well, I may need to bring you in as a witness in that case to throw that expert out because I, I tell you, when I saw that that was the guy on the uh, that they had brought in to try and stifle First Amendment rights of a of a Chinese dissident, mm-hmm. um, I was really really appalled. You know, it. it you know, right? You, you say I have this sort of uh, old-fashioned idea of what journalism used to be, and I have a, an old-fashioned idea that a news guy would always want the First Amendment to be protected. Yes. Well, let me tell you, I've mentioned this on the show before, perhaps you're unaware of it. My brother once uh, cornered uh, Tom Brokaw and asked him, "Why the hell aren't you covering the smoking gun memo out of the UK, which is the biggest story? The memo they found where it, uh, where there were Blair and uh, Bush were plotting the Iraq War long before." You know, it, it ever even came to anyone's attention. And they would never mention it on American media. They'd just say, Blair's having some problems at home, but they never said what the deal was. So my brother asked him, why aren't you covering this? And Brokaw says, the reason we aren't covering it is the White House says they will deny us access if we do. Yeah. I mean, now, now how are you supposed to be a watchdog if the White House can can threaten you like that? Yeah, you, you can't let the dog hold its own leash and then uh, then, then get upset when it goes to the bathroom, a place you don't want it to go, right? <laughs> That's right. I like this guy. <laughs> yeah. I knew you'd like that guy. Yeah. Now, we have to do an hour with you. This is too short. <laughs> so you've had some other uh, interesting cases, no doubt. Did you ever work with Larry Flint? Uh, I have not represented Mr. Oh, I thought Flint, he did. No. I thought you did at one time. No, but uh, I'm actually I'm good friends with his attorney, and uh, I'll actually be spending a little time with him next week at the uh, Xbiz Awards in Lo- in uh, Los Angeles. How about, the, how about the press completely ignoring Benghazi, with the exception of Fox News? I mean, a tragedy went down, and and nothing. Yeah, you know it's. It's it's unfortunate, but I I look. I taught at a journalism school as well, and after I when I attended the journalism school, and I was sitting there with rooms of people who really wanted to be journalists, and then fast forward uh, about fifteen years, and I'm standing in front of a lecture hall full of journalism students, and I notice there's something very different about them, and you know most of them were public relations people. You know, they're, most of them were people who wanted to get into putting out the message for, for corporate interests, and we're learning about journalism so they can learn how to manipulate the media better for their, for their clients. Uh, you know, you don't have the idealists in the newsroom anymore, or if you do, you know, they're, they're sitting there on their, on their uh, you know, smoking their Paul Malls with their hat on, but uh, <laughs> yeah. they're, they're on their way out. Yeah, were we born the same week? <laughs> I, I, know, I, I can remember when I was a kid watching Edward R. Murrow smoke. Uh, yeah, smoke on TV and say the classic line that wasn't in the movie. I was waiting when they did the movie about Edward R. Murrow. I was waiting for them to, to do this scene. But I remember saying, all he has in that briefcase is a bottle of scotch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. When uh, Joe McCarthy was saying, in this briefcase, I have a list of all the communists. <laughs> 
Yeah, I tell you, if, if only we could bring Edward R. Morrow back. But, you know, there's, we, we're also all to blame as well. You know, we're not demanding it. And I, by we, I mean all of us collectively. And maybe you and I want it, but do we all demand that or do we all just want to be entertained? Well, I mean, they did I, take the I, news I feel like department we're all sitting, you know, watching the orgy with the, with the horses and the senator's wives in Caligula rather <laughs> than demanding that we be, we be part of an actual functioning democracy with a real media. Well, it's, so, you know, do you think that when they took the news and put it under the entertainment division, that that made a big difference? Well, you're talking about the major networks? Yeah. Well, because the newsrooms aren't, aren't generating the cash that it used to. You know, they're well, saving money. There's also the theory that what, what about if for that hour a day there was no commercials in the news, that it was just simply yeah. done. Have you, have you lost your the, mind? That if, I mean, what, being as the airways belong to the public, would it kill someone to say okay you're going to do the news and it's not going to be controlled by corporate well, interests first of all first of all your cable news networks are not uh, going through the public airwaves no, no but about that. nbc cbs abc and hardly anymore the way it's digitized yeah. hardly okay so there's there's a lot of technicalities to what you're saying that aren't aren't correct anymore about the public airwaves and what the public you know, has the right we're not talking about that we're talking about right wrong here we're talking about you know let do we want to do the story are we doing the story to sensationalize a story so we we, we have higher ratings or we of course have, you are it happened well, to you yes yeah, well, of course we're, it we're happened a to bunch me. of silly old romantics trying you know trying to trying to wish for a, a bygone day but let's look forward into a little bit of a brighter future maybe bloggers you know to bring it back to Ms. goddard Perhaps bloggers like her are the ones who are picking up that standard. Somebody's got to do that job. Now you, there is a a lot of noise in the blogosphere. Yes, a lot of but garbage. there's a lot of garbage. Oh, there's so mean, much garbage. At least the GOP of Texas called a big lie on the uh, Examiner story out of Portland, saying that there had been a ranch invasion in El Paso, that the Mexican gangs had invaded Texas and taken over <laughs> these ranches, and this is going out uh, going out everywhere. Someone had the good sense to call, but my, my, my three favorite words are look it up, uh, to call down there and say, did this happen? Call the sheriff's office. They go, no. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I think that the market, hopefully, I, I like to believe that the marketplace of ideas will allow some of these blogs to bubble up and, and to show themselves to be credible, to show themselves to be a good source of information. And perhaps they're not all consistently that way, you know, in, in this case. Perhaps it was Ms. Goddard who led the charge with the facts and with the story. And then the next story will come out of whatever small town in America, and somebody who knows that town will bring it to the forefront. You know, um, we're running out of time, and that's really a shame. If you get to Los Angeles and you've got a Saturday afternoon, we'd love to have you in studio. We know we could just blow this this thing out. It's really, really, yeah, yeah, we'd like to have you back for a full hour of the near future, so I'll be yeah. getting a hold of you for on that, okay? If you don't mind. Yeah. Great. Thank you very, very much. Thanks for having me on, guys. Bye. Yeah, bye. Great guy. Yep. Love the show. Congratulations. I like to like where he called her an American hero. That made me feel but so right good. right back to him for, for, for protecting, uh, you know, the, the rights of the First Amendment. You know, so it's all good. It's all good. It's all good. Speaking of all good, guess what happens next?